for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to have you with us. And uh, one of my relatives uh, called me today and said, hey, are you going to do your show tonight because there's the Super Bowl? And uh, I have zero interest in the Super Bowl. And I know that that upsets people that are really into football. I I really, I'm just not a sports guy anymore. I, I used to be a huge NBA fan. I used to go to a lot of games here in Orlando. Um, growing up in Chicago, I was a huge hockey fan, a huge basketball fan. But I, I just, you know, sports has become so politicized and so woke. I, I'm just, I'm not interested in particular, especially not interested in the NFL. So I hope that doesn't upset anybody. Uh, <laughs> I, I kind of even forgot that it was the Super Bowl until yesterday at the grocery store. Everybody was uh, you know, buying all the snacks and the chips, and I saw some of the displays, and I heard people talking about the Super Bowl, so I figured... Uh, I figured it out. Oh, yep, this must be the Super Bowl weekend, and it is uh, you know, that time of year that it, it would be the Super Bowl. So uh, in any case, this is your Super Bowl alternative. And uh, a lot going on in the news. I wanted to start out by talking about the situation with these balloons. And it's getting to be curiouser and curiouser. So we had this large balloon, right, that was supposedly the size of three school buses, and this balloon floated slowly over the United States, uh, stopping, uh, it sounds like stopping strategically in places like Montana, where we had uh, intercontinental ballistic missile uh, silos. It seemed to hover over there, uh, but we're supposed to believe, well, this was just a weather balloon that kind of lost its way. Um, it seems to have some pretty sophisticated navigation. Uh, so that balloon was was taken down. After eight days, after it floated through the entire U.S. and then was shot down over the Atlantic Ocean. But now we have over the last couple of days, there is uh, a shoot down of a smaller object in Canada. Uh, another smaller object um, just today over Lake Huron and something else over Alaska. I, I don't have all the details on that, but it's interesting because they're saying these are not giant balloons like the other balloon. These are much smaller. And some news reports are saying that they're not necessarily even being identified as balloons. They're also going on to say in some of these news reports that the pilots are saying that they can't really uh, identify what these items actually are, these objects that they have shot down. And they're adding that these objects are interfering with the electronics of the aircraft. So something is going on here. And at the same time, uh, the U.S. is doing these massive military drills in the uh, uh, South China Sea. 
so I, I don't know what's happening. Are we gearing up to go to war with China? Is China getting ready to uh, make a move on Taiwan? I, I don't know. But this whole thing has got people baffled. And we have, you know, two different uh, a range of opinions. So on, on one end, it's like, well, it was just a weather balloon that lost its way. I don't think very many people are buying into that anymore. Uh, then it was a spy balloon. So that seems to be what most people are you know, buying into. But then on these newer objects, we even have kind of the UFO crowd is coming out now saying, well, maybe uh, just maybe these are UFOs. Uh, maybe these aren't from China. Maybe these are from outer space or who knows? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to make of these latest ones. Um, it is interesting. And then, uh, of course, you know, the political people are all um, chiming in. So uh, the spin, this is from Chuck Schumer, senator from New York. Uh, he said uh, on some of the news shows he was on today. So here's one of the quotes. It's a real setback for China. He says, and then he goes on, he claims that the U.S. gained enormous intelligence by waiting the eight days to shoot down the giant balloon. So now the spin is that somehow this was a win for the U.S. that we allowed this balloon to hover over the country for eight days. Then somehow during that eight days, we use that time to gather intelligence on the spy balloon. And then we shot the spy balloon down once it got off uh, the U.S. coast. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know what to make of it. Um, so getting back to the Super Bowl, uh, I posted on this on my Facebook. I'm not interested in the Super Bowl. And I said something like, if I really feel like I need to see some demonic music performances, I'll go to TikTok. <laughs> and most people thought it was funny. Most people kind of got my sentiment and agreed with me, but not everybody. Um, you know, uh, one person chimed in that they really love Rihanna, who is the halftime show and that, uh, I should have shown more grace and respect that Rihanna's halftime show is not going to be demonic. Uh, I hope, I hope it's not, um, you know, I hope, I hope it's a good, clean family show, but that's just not been the trend, whether you're watching the Grammys or watching any of the recent Super Bowls. Uh, where it is downright demonic. It's it's no longer just overly sexual that offends people. And, and that that is offensive because the whole family's watching. It's not just the bumping and the grinding, but it is literally satanic symbols that you're seeing by these music artists. And, uh, you know, it is it is disturbing. And you just have to wonder, you know, where have we gone with this, you know, sort of American pastime um, there's going to be all kinds of politically woke stuff going on. There's supposed to be an, an advertisement, um, that, uh, the, the ad is called Jesus gets us. And it's all about, uh, Jesus being a social justice warrior. Um, the show is, it, it just seems like the entire programming, the ads, the Super Bowl halftime show, everything seems to be completely woke. And it's all, I think, linked back to uh, Roger Goodell, uh, who is a commissioner of the NFL, who I am no fan of. But uh, uh, I know some people love it. And if your team is in the Super Bowl, you've got to watch. And, and I get that. And I know that still a lot of good families, good Christian people get together to watch the Super Bowl. But uh, I'm just not part of that crowd. <laughs> all right. So Roseanne. 
Um, I don't even know if she goes by Roseanne Barr anymore because she got married and then divorced. And I, I don't know. But let's just call her Roseanne. So you know who I'm talking about. Roseanne is returning to stand up comedy. And she says she vows to be more offensive than ever. Um, I also read there's some kind of a new show, TV show that she has coming out. And there was a lot of controversy about a show she had. I believe it was on ABC, which um, she had kind of branded herself as like a comedian that was going anti-woke. And a lot of the Trump supporters were following Roseanne. And she had kind of, you know, branded herself as like this conservative comedian that was going to go anti-woke. And then she ended up uh, posting something against Valerie Jarrett. Uh, you know, one of uh, Obama's top uh, people. And uh, she ended up getting fired from that show. And it's been, I don't know how many years it's been, but she's back now and she's on a lot of doing a lot of appearances. And I'll be honest, I've never been a huge Roseanne fan. I don't have anything against her. I just have never really thought her to be very funny. I thought her to be more crass. And I just, I've never been a huge Roseanne fan especially when she did that um, national anthem antic, uh, the, you know, scratching the crotch thing and the uh, ridiculous um, performance of the national anthem, which who knows why they even had her do the national anthem, because that's probably what you would expect uh, her to do something, you know, crazy and offensive and crass like that. But I'm just not a Roseanne fan. I'm curious if you are a regular listener or viewer, are you a Roseanne fan? Um, apparently she has really tapped into this whole anti-woke, uh, crowd, which, you know, I'm, I'm part of that crowd, but I'm just not a Roseanne fan, but, uh, she is, uh, back and big in the news. Uh, so this story out from PJ media, according to a recent, um, study that was done 65%. So that's two thirds of fourth graders can barely read and um, experts are grappling with the reason why some are saying, well, it's because of COVID because kids were uh, not in school for over a year. So they're, they're behind now and they're not able to read. I don't know. Um, I was reading at a very young age. I, I had books when I was three or four years old. I was reading in kindergarten. I mean, able to read um, by the time I was in first grade. I, I just think that reading just like cursive writing is just kind of disappearing from our culture. Uh, you just don't see very many people reading anymore. And uh, it, it is an interesting trend. And a lot of this is because of TikTok and social media and all of that. It's, it's more, I think, of a pastime. It's more entertaining uh, for young people to be on these platforms, which are all video based. We're already seeing this, you know, for example, in, in the whole, um, you know, social media niche, which is trying to get eyeballs. They're, they're telling us, you know, those of us that, that are influencers, they're saying, don't write articles. These people aren't reading anymore. You need to do videos. It's all about video. So uh, it is disturbing though, uh, because we have a generation of kids that seem to not be able to read. And, you know, by the time you get to fourth grade, if you can't read, it's going to be tough to learn to read. I don't know. I, I've just always subscribed to the idea that some of these core academic skills, if you don't learn them early, 
that are real hard to learn because what you find is, I don't know what it is about the young brain, you know, the five-year-old, the six-year-old brain that can just pick up a new language, that can learn math, that can learn reading and writing very quickly at that age. I think it's how we're wired. We're wired at that age to be able to learn. As you get into middle school and high school, if you're, if you're not able to read, if you're not able to do basic math, I think it's going to be a struggle. I think it's going to be a challenge to uh, get those skills. But, you know, I don't know. Some Maybe some people would say, well, do people really need to read much anymore because everything is video? Well, you still have contracts to read, right? And I don't know. It, it would seem to me that you're missing out on, on a whole world of learning if you're not a reader. And uh, disturbing, 65% of fourth graders can barely read. The, Was- the Washington Times is reporting that a California baker who recently died in a robbery. This baker was shot and killed. Um, The family members are saying that this baker would not want the robbers to go to jail. They're asking the authorities not to prosecute, which is, of course, is not going to happen. You know, you you kill someone in a robbery, you are going to be prosecuted. You are going to go to jail. But this is how woke that California has become, the West Coast, where you can go into a store and shoplift up to $700. So bring your calculator. As long as it's $700 or less, you're not going to be prosecuted. So if you need to steal $1,400 worth of items, be sure and make two separate trips uh, so that you're not going to be prosecuted. But this is, uh, I, I don't know, it's a disturbing story because when you think to yourself, what message does this send to other criminals that, uh, this this baker who was shot and killed, the family is saying, don't prosecute because they would not want uh, these people to go to jail. Uh, for, for what reason? Uh, so that they can still be out on the street robbing more people, killing more people. I mean, what kind of world is that? What kind of perspective is that uh, on life that you would want people like that to stay out on the street? Okay, Uh and, and you got to wonder if this is real or not, because when you look at the decline, the mental decline of Joe Biden, you think to yourself, how could anyone, including his family, want him to run for another term? But uh, the White House has reaffirmed this week that President Joe Biden does intend to run for reelection in 2024. Uh, wow. Uh, I, I just. I don't know who's going to be the nominee yet on our on the Republican side and our side of things here. Uh, everybody thought it was going to be Trump for sure. A lot of people still think that. I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of signs in my neighborhood for DeSantis for 2024. DeSantis is very popular in Florida, maybe even more popular than Trump. But in any case, uh, what a dream would that be, right? Whoever we have running up against Joe Biden uh, that Biden is the candidate. Uh, he'll be well, he'll be into his 80s. And uh, who knows, um, you know, just look at the absolutely horrible economic record that he is going to have going into this election cycle. And you just got to wonder, I mean, it's not that far off when you think about it, because we're already in February, right? So we're talking about what a, a year and a half, there's a, an election coming. And uh, we're going to start seeing a lot of campaigning uh, happening. Typically, it really heats up, you know, like a year before. So that's in about, what, six or eight months. It's going to really be on. 
And so the White House is affirming that Biden is running in 2024. Uh, after taking on DeSantis, you know, don't <laughs> be careful when you take on DeSantis because this guy uh, is not someone that you want to take on. So after taking on DeSantis with all of that woke stuff that Disney was involved in, uh, Disney officially loses the right to operate as its own independent city uh, after a landslide Florida Senate vote uh, rescinds their right to run the Reedy Creek uh, district, um, which a lot of people don't know this, but Disney World uh, many, many years ago was given the right to, to actually operate as its own city, you know, to have, you know, its its own public works, its own uh, water um company, uh, uh, water department, its own fire department, police department, all of that is, is part of Disney having had this right to operate as its own city and, um, save them, you know, countless millions and millions of dollars in taxes by being able to operate as its own city and have that autonomy as well. Uh, but that's gone now. Uh, so Disney is no longer going to be able to operate as its own city. And uh, news reports I have read, Disney is not going to challenge this. It just is what it is. And so they took on DeSantis and they lost. And uh, among the most bizarre stories this week, if these uh, crazy spy balloons were not uh, crazy enough here, a New Hampshire school is now removing urinals in an attempt to create gender equality by requiring all students to use the bathroom the same way. So, so this is part of that culture where um, the women can go into the men's room, the men can go into the women's room. But now, because it would be unfair for the urinals, because the urinals uh, provide a different way of using the bathroom, if you're not familiar with what this is. Um one of the things great about urinals is that if you're a man and you accidentally walk in to the ladies room and you don't see urinals, you know, whoops, I'm in the wrong place. And that's happened to me before. And the same thing for ladies. I'm sure you walk into the men's room by mistake. You see the urinals and you know, whoops, this is not for me. Uh, but now what they want is equality in bathroom use. So this will involve removing the urinals and everyone will use the bathrooms the same way. And probably <laughs> the best comment I got on this on my Facebook page was someone said, yes, and the boys will simply just stand up and pee all over the toilet seats, which is probably the upshot of what will happen as a result of this new policy. Uh, so I've been talking a lot about artificial intelligence. I posted a video on Facebook about it this week. I've been talking about chat GPT, this um, free portal that you can go to and, and actually have an artificial intelligence uh, service, write articles for you, answer questions, have a back and forth, a conversation. Uh, very, very interesting. AI, artificial intelligence. So, so the latest um, group that is concerned about AI are voice actors. So voice actors, uh, this came out in the news today. Voice actors are warning that artificial intelligence could replace them and cut industry jobs and pay. And, and I've been talking about this. There's a lot of industries that are going to be affected by AI. 
Um, we're already talking about it. We're talking about uh, these these AI platforms can write articles. So there go writers. Um, there are AI platforms that can create artwork. So there go uh, the the art artists. Um, we also have AI that can replace customer service uh, people. AI can do stock trading. So maybe you don't need money managers anymore. Um, they can um, edit video. Uh, there's also um, you know now AI that can do this. You know these voices. So the voiceover people are upset. And it, it as I, I posted a video about this the other day on Facebook, and I continue to uh, ask this question, which is, with this new technology, will there be a way for people that would otherwise be displaced maybe to leverage this technology? Uh, you know, kind of like the Internet. So you kind of have to reinvent yourself. So maybe if you're a voice actor, maybe what you could do is somehow use a platform of artificial intelligence to do a lot more work. I know that's what many writers are doing. Many writers are saying, I'm not quitting being a writer, but what I'm going to do is instead of producing maybe one article in a day, I'm going to produce 10 because I'm going to use an AI platform to make myself more efficient and be able to produce more content. So I think the latter approach is going to be the approach that most people are going to have to adapt to. Uh, or you will lose out it just like when the internet came you can't say well we're not participating we're going to be the only travel agency not on the internet we don't believe that people will buy books online so we're not going to have a website that sells books and amazon comes and puts you out of business so you know we've got to adapt to these technologies ai is certainly controversial you've got probably just as many people excited about it as you do that are afraid of it that are concerned about it and i'm honestly riding the fence right now i really don't know what to make of it all right a couple more things i want to get to on this episode so homeowners insurance is becoming a really big factor in home buying especially here in florida but not just limited to florida so it used to be that the number one thing you would do is you would go out you would look for the home of your dreams. You would pick that home out. You would either pay cash for it or get a mortgage. You'd go through that process. And then somewhere, you know, down the road, you know, 80, 90% of the process, you would decide to make some phone calls to insurance agents to get some quotes on homeowners insurance. So it was just something that you would do kind of towards the end, just a detail that had to be wrapped up, but it's not that way anymore. And let me tell you, for example, what is happening here in Florida. So as a loan officer, as somebody that works in the mortgage industry, one of the things that I have to do when I qualify a client is I have to look at their, their debt ratio. So what is your new payment going to be and what percentage of that does that represent of your overall income? Uh, and we have to look at that. And so part of that equation is including the monthly cost of the taxes and the monthly cost of the homeowner's insurance. So you could find a house that you love that you otherwise could be qualified to buy based on the ratios. However, if the homeowner's insurance premium is too high, you could all of a sudden not qualify to purchase that home. So this is really, uh, it's it to me, it is one of the most misunderstood uh, components presently in the whole process of home buying and home shopping. And here in Florida, I have seen similar priced home, uh, similar priced homes where you have one person paying $1,000 a year for their homeowners, 
another person on a very, you know, similar price paying $3,000 a year. So, and, and there's a lot of reasons. Some of it is just very simply people are not shopping out their coverage. And there are very big disparities between the pricing of one insurance policy to the next. That is true. But also part of it is doing your research. Like here in Florida, one of the big deals is because of our hurricanes, the insurance companies don't want to write policies on houses that have roofs that are older than 10 years old. So if you buy a house that has a roof older than 10 years old, you're either not going to be able to get coverage or if you do get coverage, it's going to be at a very egregious price level. So part of the process now is sort of vetting that house for the cost of insurance before you get too far into the process. And so it's it's a, a little bit of a different um, approach than people have historically taken. But in states like Florida, it is important. It is really important. It's one of the things when I'm working with a new client, getting a mortgage going, one of the very first things I do is ask them, have you gotten an insurance quote? Because when I put that loan into underwriting, they want the insurance quote to be able to, to look at the ratio. And so a lot of people don't realize that they're getting a good deal on a house, they think. But because it has a little bit of an older roof or something else uh, different about the house, it's a little bit of an older house. They don't realize that the homeowner's insurance is going to be overly expensive and will blow up their ratio and therefore they don't qualify. So this is an important thing to think about if you're in the market for purchasing a home. And then we'll close it out this week. Uh, something new that I am really super interested in. I'm going to be doing a video on it this week. If you go to your, uh, just go to a search engine and type in HUD Home Store, HUD Home Store. Uh, what you'll find is a website where there are homes that are being sold by HUD. And what's super interesting about this is that the FHA has a program for these homes where you can put down just $100 and buy one of these homes that are listed in the website HUD Home Store. And I've been looking at this because not only for my clients, but also for myself. And I found some pretty interesting deals in here. And the idea of being able to get a $100 down FHA mortgage on a house is pretty cool, especially when you consider that a lot of these houses um, are, uh, it's a bidding process. So you're going to get a deal. These, this is not just a normal um, market sale. These are houses that are, have been, um, you know, repossessed uh, foreclosed homes that are owned by HUD. And it's basically, there's a process to make a bid. And some of these prices are already pretty low, notwithstanding, you know, the whole bidding process that would then kick in and let you perhaps even buy it at a lower price than what the suggested opening bid is. But I don't know a lot about this yet. I, I did a lot of reading on it this week. Um, one of my lenders mentioned it to me. It came up in a conversation with um, another one of my loan officers. And I thought, man, this is something that I want to find out more about. So look for a video coming this week about $100 down FHA loans. Um, and that is through the HUD home store. Hey, so during the week between shows, I'm always available to answer your 
personal financial questions. I can't give you investment advice. There's certain things I can't do just because of licensing rules. But one of the things lately, a lot of people have been reaching out with mortgage questions, and I'm happy to help with that or any other matters of personal finance. Get in touch. Send me an email, jim at christianmoney.com, or you can send me a private message at Facebook. Um, and my Facebook name is James L. Paris, or you can find the Facebook page at Christian Money, uh, or all of my social media links are at the website, ChristianMoney.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. So long, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. God bless.